This is The Podlight, a podcast by San Jose Spotlight dedicated to independent political and business reporting. I'm your host, Editor Nick Preciado. On today's show, we're discussing the clearing of hundreds of homeless camps in San Jose, as well as a new documentary series on the plight of essential workers during the COVID-19 pandemic. Over the last year, San Jose has swept more than 200 homeless encampments throughout the city. Three quarters of those removals have happened in just two districts. Joining me now to discuss this is reporter Tron Nguyen. How's it going, Tron? Good. Thank you for having me. So can you explain what the city considers a sweep? Are we talking removals of only large encampments like the ones in Columbus Park? So abatements or sweeps um, is when city or its partner clearing out um, an encampment site. Um, and this could mean that they clearing out a massive site where multiple people are living in. Or um, it could also mean that booting pe- one person or two persons um, off of the campsite. I see. And um, so let's talk about these sweeps. Where are these sweeps occurring? So the data that the city shared with us show that the majority of sweeps um, had happened in two districts, districts three and seven. Um, this is this data spanned from January 1st to through November. Um, there were 108 sweeps in district three alone, 67 in district seven. Um, there was no sweep in District 1, and um, all other districts um, had about 10 or fewer sweeps. Um, and despite all these abatements, um, the city still estimate that there are um, you know, over 200 encampments across the city. Wow, that's still quite a lot. So why is the city conducting these sweeps? What's the reason behind this? So we don't know the reason for every single sweep, but we know that, you know, the total 25% of all sweeps were to clear the right of way, such as sidewalks. um, And sweeps also occur to address uh, public safety, to prevent fire, um, to clear out abandoned camps, um, and also to clear out um, sites that is near schools. Um, this is a buffer zone, 150 feet, that the city implemented um, in April. And what do elected officials have to say about these sweeps? So city council member Raul Perales, um, representing District 3, he said, unfortunately, um, his district has the highest number of unhoused population, um, and these sweeps are just necessary and these sweeps are just necessary um, in some of the cases um, like we talked about before. Um, but he also said that this is not a long-term solution um, for anyone. For council member David Cohen, representing District 4, um, he said that abatements or sweeps uh, should be the last resort uh, for the city since this is costly and destructive to unhoused people. Yeah, and there's also the possibility of, you know, they could just clear out a camp or a single person encampment and then the person just sets up somewhere else. It doesn't seem like it's necessarily solving a problem. It just seems like it's pushing it somewhere else. Exactly. Or people just coming back right to the site where they were clear off. Right. Now, what about homeless advocates? I I know you talked to a couple for your story. What do they think about the amount of sweeps that have taken place this year? So for advocates who have been on the ground, you know, daily or weekly, um, these numbers are tremendous. Gail Osmer, um, a longtime homeless advocate, she said that this is unbelievable. Um, She just couldn't believe the number of abatements that I've done. Um, But another advocate, Sean Cartwright, Um, She said this is not surprising, um, especially in District 7. She said um, Councilmember Maya Espara has been 
very hostile to the unhoused population just based on her votes um, and things like that. Um, for advocate Sandy Perry, um, president of Affordable Housing Network of Santa Clara County, um, he thinks that abatement should not be happening at all. Um, the city needs to address its housing issues um, because that's the root um, of, of homelessness crisis. Looking for a way to unwind after work or on the weekends? Purple Lotus has plenty of premium cannabis products to choose from. The family-owned business, located at 752 Commercial Street in San Jose, offers great customer service, a comfortable atmosphere, and top-quality cannabis. With more than 50 strains of the Bay Area's most exotic flower and hundreds of products to choose from, there's something for every customer. Purple Lotus offers daily specials on a variety of products, as well as a 15% discount to seniors and veterans, a 10% discount to people with disabilities, and even a 5% discount for students at regional universities. Right now, shoppers can get up to 25% off next day delivery orders, 25% off when you spend $300, and 15% off when you spend $200. For more information, visit plpcsanjose.com. Hi, I'm Ramona Guiwargas, CEO and co-founder of San Jose Spotlight. And I'm Josh Bruce, Executive Director and co-founder of San Jose Spotlight. San Jose Spotlight is a community-supported, nonprofit news organization fueled by readers and listeners like you. You can support our work by becoming a sustaining member with a monthly or annual donation on our website, sanjosespotlight.com. And if you make a tax-deductible donation today, it will be matched dollar for dollar as part of our end-of-year fundraising campaign, Newsmatch. Give now, give nonprofit. San Jose Spotlight spent the last year documenting the plight of six essential workers in Silicon Valley during the COVID-19 pandemic. Joining me now to talk more about our new video series, Backbone of Silicon Valley, are reporters Lloyd Alabon and Lorraine Gabbard. How's it going, you two? Good. Hey, Nick. Good. Good. So, Lloyd, tell us a bit about this project. What kind of essential workers did you speak to? Between the both of us, we spoke to six essential workers um, in uh, a lot of different fields about um, how they've been dealing with the pandemic. Uh, I spoke to a fast food worker, uh, a gig worker, and a, a grocery worker. And yeah, I just learned about um, how they dealt with the pandemic, especially in the early days, and what their struggles were as they came into work every day. I see. Now, let's get into that a little bit, Lorraine. What kind of struggles did the people you interviewed face on a regular basis? You know, Nick, we recognize these people as heroes, essential workers, but they don't have great working and living conditions. They work really hard, but they're mistreated by the public. They don't receive decent wages or sick time. Um, Rena, who works at Safeway and Rite Aid, had to buy her own masks and gloves to protect herself. And shoppers were yelling at her and spitting at her when supplies ran low. A gig worker is blamed for the food quality of what he's delivering. And then Irina, who cleans houses, had shoes thrown at her. She works at multiple jobs, but hardly makes enough money to get by and take care of her family. And being an doc- undocumented worker, she also faces daily stress from that. And she can't call the police for help. Wow, that does sound stressful. Now, what did you learn in your reporting that surprised you? Well, Yurina, despite the hardships she endures, despite being exhausted working multiple homes and offices a day, she is strong in spirit. She advocates for the rights of other undocumented workers. She encourages them to have a voice and to have courage. And she talks about peace, 
love and unity and won't give up until they get what they need to have a better life. And what about you, Lloyd? Yeah, it was just interesting to see how badly some of these workers were, were treated by their um, employers. Um, you know, you see it in news about uh, gig workers and, and fast food workers being uh, mistreated by uh, their employers or, or the public, but you don't really think about it until you see it. Uh, I, I think um, one of the inter- more interesting stories that, that I ran into um, uh, when I spoke to the fast food worker, uh, Hilda, from she worked at McDonald's, um, she's, uh, very soft-spoken, very mild-mannered, but she led uh, a strike uh, against um, McDonald's uh, and she really you know, it helped pass because you know they weren't giving her uh, PPE and, and the protections that she needed, and um, the the strength she had uh, in her story was really amazing. You both hosted a panel earlier this week uh, with the subjects of Backbone of Silicon Valley, these essential workers that you spoke to and interviewed. What was that like, Nick? It was really moving to hear the emotion in their voice. They shared their stories. They spoke about the need for change and to have improvements in laws and in conditions and support. I think it was really moving to hear the raw emotion. They expressed their plight. One of the workers was saying that she would call her family and say, I'm here, I'm okay, because they're doing these things in the midst of the pandemic. They're afraid for their own lives while they're doing these essential jobs. Yeah, just how uh, candid and how open they were to uh, sharing their stories and how hard they worked and, and uh, you know you could tell that some of them were um, frustrated or, or um, just sometimes like just tired of, of coming into work and being faced with these conditions and but they still persevered and still stayed strong so that was really inspiring. A uh, final question here what kind of impact do you want this documentary series to have? We want um, people to, to see that, you know, these are workers, these are people. And I mean, um, you know, before the pandemic, I know all of, some of us you've thought about people like fast food workers or gig workers as you know, something you, you know, do on the side or something that is a stepping stone to a bigger job. But, you know, these workers work um, extremely hard, you know, during, especially during the pandemic. And um, uh, they're, they've been on the front lines uh, every single day and uh, I want people to see like you know how hard these people work and what kind of impact they have on uh, the community. I want people to better respect these essential workers. They do work really hard not only to support their families but also the community and they truly are the backbone of Silicon Valley. That's it for this episode of The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight, the city's first nonprofit news organization dedicated to independent reporting. I'm editor Nick Preciado. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.